0: And you can become part of our Discord community. Learn more about the show and find out how you can become a supporting member at thenextreel.com.
1: So thank you, everybody, for downloading and listening to The Next Reel. We appreciate your time and attention, and we hope you enjoy the show. You know, uh, you should stop eating sugar. Yeah, I should. (laughs) I'm telling you, man, I hear you. I hear that, that uh, snide kind of response, but I'm telling you, sugar, when you get sick, is bad news. I know. It's bad news anyway, but it's super... If you want to get healthy fast, cut that sugar, baby. Cut it.
0: You know what sucks about sh- uh, sugar is, one, uh, this time of year, having kids yeah. Yeah. who have giant buckets of Halloween candy that they're still still, still yeah. working through.
1: That'll be till May.
0: That makes it hard.
1: Yeah. What's yeah. your what is your plan for Halloween? How do you handle that? You know,
0: house? they they get to work through it per, for a while, periodically, very slowly. I mean, they'll get like one or two pieces a day, and then and then there comes a point where we just kind of chuck it all. Like once once we hit another season where they start getting candy and stuff, yeah. then we just throw yeah. it all away.
1: We do, um, you know, Friday night is movie night around here. Yes, yeah. around these here parts, and so we do. You get nothing during the week, or even on the weekend. But you get five pieces of candy from your stash, no questions asked, whatever you want, big or small, from your stash during the movie. Mm -hmm. And that's it. And if we go to a movie, like if we actually hit the theater, Mm -hmm. then they can take their own candy and smuggle it in.
0: Nice.
1: But that's it. And then, you know, eventually it'll be sent to, you know, like the troops. I don't know why it is that there are all these send candy to the troops programs, right? Do you know of this? I like, uh, yeah
0: i would think that they would want food or why, yeah you know, like kale yeah
1: but you know why why do they want a bunch of candy <laughs> i don't know i've got friends who are troops i feel trying, like i should ask
0: them trying to make our troops diabetic or something I, right you know? that seems
1: like not a good plan for, yeah. that's not in our american america's best interest
0: no i i saw that too and i'm like that just seems so backward <laughs>
1: Yeah. Well it's the same thing. Like I asked my wife, what do you do with it? Well, she takes candy into the schools where she works and gives it to the teachers. I said, Really, you want the teachers? Like teaching our kids all junked out on candy too? Is that the kind of role model we are? It's like teachers go into the teacher's lounge and they just junk up on like old Reese's cups and stuff? I don't think so. That's not very nice. <laughs> just saying. Yeah. I it's been a couple of weeks, uh, but I feel like now you and I have both seen uh Interstellar and I think we should just talk briefly about it.
0: Oh, okay. Okay. Well
1: <laughs> You go first.
0: <laughs> I was tremendously disappointed by it. Tr-
1: whoa, tremendously? Yeah. That's a little strong. Not really. Not really. I not mean not it was really.
0: it was visually uh and orally uh powerful.
1: I think you mean orally
0: orally <laughs> i i had the au in there it's just Licked. you know
1: did You spend a lot of time licking the orally orally. <laughs> not orally orally shoot it right up <laughs> it was it was
0: big and i saw the 70 millimeter uh imax version and yeah. i will say the imax stuff looked pretty gorgeous sometimes the the non imax stuff looked downright not pretty uh particularly at the beginning of the film But, you know, I figured that was, you know, what Nolan was after. I don't know. But I don't know. It just, the story, it really all revolves around the story, which I found incredibly weak and, uh, as as we came to the end, awfully silly. And I couldn't get past the, just the nonsensical turn that it takes. And I just was so not into the movie. It was really a big failure.
1: It was the end, right, when he discovers the... I, we don't need to necessarily spoil this one. It's still very much in theaters. But it was it, you, the end of the, with the banging. Yeah, it's, it's, it's well, the big... What is all this banging, right?
0: It's the big climactic thing, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah,
1: that's the part that you didn't like.
0: Nonsense.
1: Huh. You know, I found myself really... I saw it with uh, with Sophie, and she was... I I'm sure that my impression of the film was largely influenced by the things that were important to her mm-hmm. and it was so fascinating watching her react to the daddy daughter story and uh that 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 really you know this that it was this is a drama and this is you know she really responded you know emotionally as as you would expect but it was really nice to see and and uh, she just did a lot of holding on to me during this movie and i really liked that it felt it was really nice and so uh you know that it held her attention for a good three hours was um was a sign to me that it was kind of worth enjoying i i agree there were some story problems i think the movie was about an hour too long um and there's a lot you know there's a lot of the beginning where you know i've seen this i got it move on move along Mm -hmm. um uh you know rather than giving me so much story up front that you you know that you can sort of start poking holes in pretty easily um but generally i thought it was beautiful and uh you know i i enjoyed watching it i i don't know that i'll see it again in the theater certainly but but it's one that um uh, that uh you know it wasn't as bad as i thought i mean there were a lot of people who were really lampooning it um before i saw it and uh, uh it was not as bad maybe my expectations were so low uh, that um, you know, I was pleasantly surprised. <laughs> well, that can happen. B- but I will say, it's definitely not one of my favorites of of his. And and you know, I I'm sort of learning that that his movies generally don't age very well with me. There are some that really do and kind of hold on to their value, but many of them don't. Hm. So anyhow. interesting. Yeah. All right. I think, well, there's only, I
0: think there's only a couple of his, his films that just don't work for me. Like but, what? Give uh, me, give me. One. Well, this and Dark Knight Rises.
1: Yeah, I know that was that was one for you. Yeah. I like the first two. I, I also like Dark uh, Dark Knight Rises less. You know, I I, I think that was kind of uh, the second one even is not aging as well for me. Interesting. Um, but you know, Inception really is the one that holds its value, um, right? So very well. Uh, Anyway. All right. Let's tell the people where we're from. Yeah, where are we from? Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining us. It's The Next Reel. I'm Pete Wright. That there is Andy Nelson. Hey. And we are dedicated to spoiling the movies that you love. Uh, so you should uh, hang out and, and listen to the show tonight because we're going to do that again uh, but first you should head over to nextreel.com and uh, learn a little bit more about the show catch up with our back episodes and uh, join us in the uh, popular uh, social platforms for the discussion you know I should say I haven't said it in a while it really helps when you head over to iTunes which is still the by far the number one place where people find and listen to this show the iTunes podcast directory if you're an iTunes listener head over to uh, iTunes and drop us a five-star review. We would really appreciate it. It's a, it's a great way to help other new people discover the show, and we can actually see it. When we get a lot of new reviews, we get a little spike in listenership, and we really appreciate that. So thank you very much in advance. And, Andy, it's time for us to check in. A time you know and love. The Instagram, hashtag PonyPrize, hashtag Guess the Movie hashtag Standy versus the People. How'd we do this week? It was, you know,
0: <laughs> we've done better, um, but it's a great movie, so it's okay. I, you know, it's a better uh,
1: question to ask. Have we done worse?
0: We, we certainly have done worse. Yes, <laughs> okay, we have. Okay, then there we go. There we go. Yes, we. Uh, yeah, it wasn't the worst week. Um, it was uh, 1982's Martin Scorsese filmed The King of Comedy, which is a, a great movie. And uh, it only took two images before newcomer to the crowd, Joe Jolie 23, Uh, Nailed it, and uh, you know it was definitely still in. I think the fairly early images that were a little difficult to guess, but uh, yeah, Joe Jolie twenty three knows that movie inside and out.
1: Apparently, nicely done. Love the fresh blood in the hashtaggery of the absolutely the hashtaggiest of the challenges.
0: (laughs) Absolutely, it is. (laughs) Welcome to the
1: mix, Joe Jolie.
0: Yeah, Joe Jolie twenty three. Enter to win the pony prize
1: and with that andrew let's do trailers i'm gonna go first because i think mine'll be faster
0: oh it's good gonna- <laughs> okay <laughs> I think mine will go pretty fast but go ahead (laughs)
1: well this trailer has been out for a little while I am excited about it because I am a fan of the musical theater Uh, this is the uh, Into the Woods Uh, Rob Marshall directing uh, James Lapine and uh, Stephen Sondheim uh, doing the music and it stars uh, Anna Kendrick and Meryl Streep and Johnny Depp and Emily Blunt and Chris Pine and uh, I mean it's just uh, Mackenzie Mosey Christine Baranski, I mean, it's all over the place. they got a nice cast in here, and uh, this has always been— this is uh, one of our favorite musicals around the house, and I like that this one is being turned into a uh, a feature uh, cinema event. Um, Mostly, I just have a very warm place in my heart for this film, and the other two Rob Marshall uh, musical films uh, I actually quite like, Chicago and Nine. Uh, hmm. And so this I'm I'm pretty excited about this one. What do you think? Are you a musical fan uh, uh yourself?
0: I am. I I love musicals. Um good ones at least. <laughs> <But> <laughs> I never saw Nine. I never heard good things about it, so I skipped it, but uh but I really enjoy Chicago. And uh you know, I'm I'm just kind of a fan of musicals in general anyway. And so I am quite excited about uh Into the Woods. This is a um uh, a musical that I've seen a number of times and uh, it's it, there's just a lot of really creative stuff going on with it. And I know there's been stories about stuff that's changing uh, in it, like how it's some of the uh, context is being toned down, like the sexual context. Um, but, you know, done by Sondheim, so it's not like somebody else was stepping in and, and tweaking his stuff. So yeah, I, and I, still and think,
1: I mean, uh, the, yeah. like the fact that these guys are, uh, you know they are bringing their work to the screen there is something to be said for that
0: i agree and i'm quite uh, i'm quite thrilled that they're bringing it and even with the modifications i think it's probably fine for the silver screen and uh, you know i um i'm just looking forward to seeing it done in a way that just kind of gives us this story in a very cinematic sense
1: yeah me too i'm excited about it and the vines you go <laughs> vines <laughs> anyway, that's me. You When's yours open? Oh, I, I should know that. It, it's coming uh, very, I it's, very soon. It's coming uh, Christmas, I think. Christmas. Yeah, Day.
0: I think it is Christmas. Yeah, at least 25th, in limited, December, markets, limited right, markets. Right, December twenty fifth, USA. Limited markets. That's yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. Well, mine, mine is is gonna top yours, and it,
1: it tugs at my heartstrings. If
0: it wasn't for the fact that it, it's not opening this year, I would say this is the film to beat. Uh, At this year's Oscars. (laughs) But maybe next year. (laughs) Maybe, actually maybe 2016, which is when it's (laughs) purported to be released. Uh, The film I am uh, talking about, the trailer, is for Iron Sky, The Coming Race. It is the sequel to the, (laughs) the hit Everybody Loves from 2012, Iron Sky, which was about Nazis who set up a secret base on the dark side of the moon in 1945, where they hide out and plan to return to power in 2018. That was what Iron Sky was about. This one is the sequel. And my impression of of this, uh, it's kind of, they're at a point where they've done a crowdfunding uh, teaser that's up on Indiegogo. And it is a... Uh, I don't even know what to say, but it looks like a woman who may be the president of the United States. Um, there's a like a, a nuclear bomb that goes off in Washington. She hops in a helicopter, flies to apparently Antarctica on, on, a, on a helicopter trip, right? And goes into a secret bunker. Her she dissolves her hand, and it becomes like a you know I don't know a witch hand or something. No, it's
1: like a it's like a, a, a lizard hand. Sort of a dinosaur.
0: Something, hand. yes. And and she puts it on a, a little secret or thing on the floor for her hand, kind of like total recall, and opens up a secret gate into the hollow center of the Earth where <laughs> it is a whole land in the hollow world, which actually is kind of a fun concept. And along comes a dinosaur, a big T-Rex, ridden by none other than... <laughs> Adolf Hitler, who also looks to be like a, a lizard person of some sort, <laughs> and that's about the teaser. And I don't even know what to say about it, other than I can't believe that this is actually out there and exists. But it makes me laugh that it does.
1: Is this? Does it even count anymore as revisionist history? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. oh my goodness! One of these days. <laughs> Somebody's going to pick this up and say, gosh, can you believe that we didn't know the truth?
0: Right, exactly.
1: <laughs> it's
0: like Interstellar, the conversation at the beginning about, you know, right. the, the, the textbooks. This is an old textbook, and it's all wrong. Yeah. It's like people go, no, no, no. All this stuff you've been learning about the Nazis, it's all wrong. Look at Iron Sky. Look at Iron Sky, the coming race. This is what's this going on. Is the truth. This- <laughs> it's all
1: right below our feet. <laughs> the truth is below us. <laughs> in the hollow center of the earth. Oh man. I love it. I'm excited funny. about it. So it's it it is uh, very much in development. So um we don't Yeah, know
0: they've been time. they've been still uh you can go to ironsky.net and learn all about it. Uh they're blog posting. Uh you can demand it come to your town. You can make donations to it to uh you know try to help them get it made. It's this group out of uh, I think they're in Finland. And, uh, yeah, somehow they, uh, I don't know, they've become the Iron Sky people. And, uh, yeah, Timo Warren Sola directed uh, the first one and I believe is directing this follow-up. So, yeah, we'll see. We shall see.
1: (laughs) Awesome.
0: (sighs) Ah, yes. Oh, so you know what, Pete? Yeah? So I need to go to the doctor. I need to go check and see what condition my condition is in.
1: Wait, wait, let me me explain something to you. Um, I am not Mr.
0: Lebowski. I'm the dude. You know, uh, that or uh, his dudeness or uh, duder or, uh, you know, El Duderino, if you're not into the whole
1: brevity thing. Are you employed, Mr. Lebowski? Ah! Employed? I like sex, Mr. Lebowski. Is this your only ID? You got the wrong guy. I'm the dude. Your name's Lebowski,
0: Lebowski. Jeff Lebowski, the other Lebowski, the millionaire. I received this ransom note this morning. This is the bummer, man.
1: They want you to take the money and knock his courier. You, man? What the hell
0: is this? My dirty aunties, dude. The whites. Let's take that hill. Why should we settle for 20 grand when we can keep the entire million?
1: I know you're mixed up in all this. Playing one side against the other in bed with everybody.
0: Blow them. Huh?
1: Fabulous stuff. What?
0: Who's sitting on a million dollars? We want some money. Oh, sitting in the trunk of our car. Where's my damn money? Say, dude, where is your car? Who's got your undies, Walter? This is a very complicated case, Mod. You know, a lot of ins, a lot of outs. Is this your homework, Larry? And I would like my undies back. A lot of uh, strands to keep in my head, man. Whoa. Hey, careful, man. There's a beverage here,
1: huh? I like your style, dude. I have no choice but to tell these bums to do whatever is necessary to recover their money from you. <laughs> they were Nazis, dude?
0: They were nihilists, man. They kept saying they believed in nothing. You figured, oh, here's a loser, you know, a, a,
1: a deadbeat.
0: Well, aren't you? Well, yeah. You cannot drag this
1: negative energy into the tournament. Jeffrey. Bond. Love me.
0: Uh, that's my robe. I'm throwing rocks tonight. It don't matter to Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> This could be a, a, a lot more uh, 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 complex. I mean, it's not...
1: Just, All right, Andy. It be, Here just it just is. Simple, uh, the Big Lebowski. You know? mm, the big one. Con- continuing our uh, intermittent uh, Cohen Brothers uh, honorarium mm-hmm. with The Big Lebowski, 1998. Uh, written and directed Joel and Ethan Cohen, yada, yada, yada. Uh, starring Jeff Bridges, Jeff uh, John Gold, uh, John, <laughs> Jeff Bridges, John Goodman, Julian Moore, Steve Buscemi, John Turturro, Tara Reed, and uh, many, many others. Uh, this, I am on the record uh, as saying uh, this is not my favorite uh, Coen Brothers film. And I recognize that this draws ire, draws the ire of, uh, of many of the Lebowski fans. Mm hmm. Uh and you told me that you were excited to hear how I what I thought of the movie seeing it again this is now I think the th- third or fourth time I've I've been through it okay i think uh you know it's it's fine <laughs> i may it may be I and I don't remember when my opinion was formed but you know those movies like it, it's like I there may be an ex-girlfriend in my history who really loved this movie and we had a bad breakup and so I don't like it. I mean uh. I'm I'm willing to admit that but I have such a difficult time uh connecting with this film as a a piece. I there are a lot of things about it that I like. Right? There are a lot of individual elements, a lot of characters, I think, that do a, a, you know, a, a fun job in this film. But generally, I have a really hard time connecting with it. So what I'm looking forward to tonight is for you to build a case that allows me to let go of the ex-girlfriend uh, disdain of this film. Wow, that's a lot of uh, uh, pressure. <laughs> well, it, yeah, and I think rightfully so, that you like this film, so really it's on you to make me like it.
0: Well, okay. <laughs> I don't know if it's really uh, up to me, but I'll do my best. Right. I'll do my level best. It's, you know, I this is, uh, the Cohen brothers, and we talked comedy about their stuff last week with Raising Arizona. I mean, they have a sense of humor that um, can really work or can be hard to connect with in their films. Raising Arizona certainly uh, took a darker tale of of this very funny comedy dealing with kidnapping a baby. Uh, this one is a a really wacky comedy with uh you know a pothead who doesn't really like a middle-aged pothead who doesn't really do much other than bowl and be unemployed and hang out with his friends and he gets wrapped up in this crazy uh raymond chandler-esque uh mystery that is um uh, just kind of very fun to to follow as he kind of goes through this journey, and it's it's all in in a way it doesn't really amount to much, but it's just very fun. And then if you look at their other comedies, I mean, they they try a wide variety of stuff. I mean, Lady Killers has uh, some pretty outlandish performances as well. Um, Burn After Reading—that's uh, you know a level of comedy that they made that I don't get into. Like, I have a hard time with that one. Um,
1: yeah and, and, see and that that 's one that I connected with
0: yeah and yeah. and it 's one of those things where their comedy stylings um really can be hit or miss with with anyone and the big Lebowski did not hit with a lot of people uh when it first came out it wasn 't considered a success, i mean it made its money back, but it wasn 't considered a success and it was um it just kind of coming after Fargo their crowning achievement um at the time it uh, was a big surprise that they came out with uh, the big Lebowski that was full of profanity and just kind of really out there story. But, you know, people have connected with it over time and, and the the Lebowski fans have really tapped into this vibe that the dude projects that is very uh, Zen master. And it has this, uh, he has this easygoing way of just kind of moving through Life And moving through these situations that that happen upon him, Um, even though he is trying to accomplish something. It's not like he's not doing anything, but I mean, he is very easygoing about all of it and just kind of moves very peacefully through it. And I think that's uh, one of the things that draws people to it is just this idea of being like the dude and finding a way to tap into that Zen attitude with things. and then also the characters. I mean, there's just the every character in here. I think is is an unforgettable character. I mean, starting with the dude, Jeff Bridges is brilliant in this character. Uh, John Goodman as Walter Sobchak is great. Uh, Donnie played by Steve Buscemi. Every one of the characters fits perfectly in their role, and they're the lines that they have. I mean, this is <laughs> possibly, I probably the most quoted. Um, uh Coen Brothers film, I mean, because of things like the Lebowski Fests and all that, that have have uh, been birthed by love of this film, I think that this film is probably one of the ones that just people tap into the most. It, it, there's something about that kind of college-age vibe that the film seems to project, even though it's about middle-aged people, um, that I think people enjoy watching and and probably enjoy discovering at that time in their lives kind of that college age years and uh it, it becomes something that you know kind of carries a uh a way of life for them a kind of a message for them to always kind of come back to and i think that's i think that's why a lot of people have tapped into this film I think that it's a really interesting film outside of that when you just look at the what what they've actually constructed as a film in and of itself this idea of taking this guy who's really kind of just this this deadbeat and and finding a way to put him into a uh, kind of a very uh, muddy and complex uh, mystery like a, a Raymond Chandler novel that is it just has lots of directions going, lots of characters that kind of come up and uh, you know, change uh the the story shifts and changes direction constantly. Uh, you know, there's double crosses, triple crosses, uh, people getting hurt, the you know, the the hero always gets slipped to Mickey. There's just all this stuff that's perpetually going on in these Raymond Chandler esque novels. And taking somebody like the dude and putting him into that, it's just it, I find it so fun to go through this mystery with him as he tries to play detective and tries to figure out um, what happened to the money and uh, what he's going to do about his rug um, as he uh, as he navigates all this and just you know tries to uh, make it out the other side. And I I don't know. I mean, it's it's a completely silly film and it's one that when I saw the first time in the theater, I was like. Hmm. Okay. I, I think I felt the way that most people did. I just, I, I, It didn't click with me. And it wasn't until I, I watched it a few more times that the humor really stuck out for me. And, I, you know, it has a sense of humor uh, that is different than Raising Arizona. But it is, uh, again, just so quotable. And it just sticks with me. And I, uh, I just find myself laughing uh myself silly every time i watch it
1: that's a it's a funny way that you characterize this film because i think i, I think i agree with you and uh, you know all of these individual elements i think are 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 you know there there is a certain amount of delight with them individually you know uh, and at the same time i i'm i have trouble connecting with the film uh you bring up this idea of you know this film being a, a you know it, it attracts the college age vibe, and yet it's a, a film about middle age guys or or older. Uh, who are dealing with middle-aged crises, right? And and mm-hmm. I think that's a really interesting angle on this film, particularly because of the the history that each of these uh, these major characters, Goodman and and uh, obviously the dude, uh, bring to their characters. One is a, a troubled Vietnam veteran, uh, obviously dealing with you know some fairly serious PTSD at some level, um, and it manifests in this sort of. Um, manic rage that erupts from Goodman, which is just—he is so ideal— for that part. And you see him play that, that role in other, you know, certainly in, in Barton Fink. That's the first thing I kept, I I came back to was his role in Barton Fink and that just roller coaster that he takes you on. He's just wonderful at it. Uh, And, and he's just such a perfect physical specimen for that kind of role. Uh, So I, am delighted to watch him in this. And, and the same thing when you watch, um, you know, uh, uh, you watch Bridges play uh, this character who has been, uh, uh, you know, Truly, an activist to the point of of uh, it was the what was it the seven the um, Seattle seven the Seattle seven you know who who uh, you know was charged with with inciting a riot to violence. Uh, this is uh, something he was he actually had at one point uh, a platform. Right. He he, his life's design was to um, exact change in the world and Mm -hmm. to to watch how his life has changed around that once he hits this sort of middle age. And what, uh, you know, what comes of of all of his work to exact change is, you know what, I live in this kind of deadbeat apartment and I'm really upset that uh, this guy peed on my rug because that rug, you know, really tied the room together. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> you know i those are those are the things that i 'm really attracted to in the film, um, but you know in so many respects what i love and and we talked about this with uh, you know last week with raising arizona there is something about the pacing of of the cutting of raising arizona of just the the general tightness i mean it 's tight as a drum, uh, everything feels like perfectly architected, and maybe that 's one of the reasons i 'm having trouble with Lebowski is it feels as loose as the main character you know it is just it's just like flying high and wide over the story, and and I know the Cohens are on the record as saying, you know, this is this is uh, you know this is an homage, uh, you know, to this this noir sort of uh, ethic, which is that the the scene uh, is more important or takes precedence over the story. So don't worry about the story so much. It's okay if you are going to get lost. Uh, just enjoy live in the now, enjoy what you're looking at right now. And, uh, and, and you'll still, you know, get some chuckles out of the film. And I, I think I may be one of those that, that I'm unable to, to let go of my desire to, to really have a, a tighter story, a tighter cut. Uh, you know, there's some, you know, just a general, in general, a tighter experience. Hmm. Is that crazy? no i i
0: don't think so i mean i i think that uh i i think that it uh fits in just with the like we were saying earlier with the cohen comedies uh sometimes their humor will just it'll work or, or their, the way that their their comedy in a particular story will work better for some people than for others and it seems like you you get all of the stuff that goes along with this film it's just the film itself just isn't, you know, isn't your cup of tea. That's
1: yeah, fine. I think that's, I, I think that's probably, and that that makes me feel a little bit better about it. That yeah, you, you say it's okay that I that I get it. I needed a little bit of approval. No, it's. Uh, I don't. That I mean, tell me what you think. Really,
0: <laughs> you failed me.
1: Um. The uh. Y- yeah. All right. What do you want to talk about next? You're the leader.
0: Well. I I don't know. Let's talk about uh, all the different all right. people.
1: Well, let's talk. Okay, let's talk about the people. Uh, f- so well, let's talk about the people in the context of the story. Right? You want to try and and just give a a brief summary for those like me?
0: Yeah, I think that I mean, the, the, you know, again, like I said, the story is is convoluted uh, and. It's It doesn't matter that much. But basically, Jeff Lebowski, the dude, Jeff Bridges, um, randomly, he comes home and some thugs are in there. They pee on his rug and tell him that they want the money. And they leave. They realize, or the dude realizes that there's another Jeffrey Lebowski who is uh, a wealthy millionaire. And uh, that's... Uh, is they go to see him and he is uh david huddleston plays him and they go to see him and is this whole this st- <laughs> is so complicated um they want the money from him and so they uh i i, I don't know i'm not I'm, <laughs> as, I, really as i as i tell this story i expected it to be i'm not really sure <laughs> it makes sense to try to explain the story cuz it i mean it doesn't make that much sense, and I don't know if it matters that much. I mean, no, there's, you're a, right. there's
1: the, the, it's a mistaken identity. Yeah, comedy. there's, a,
0: there's a kidnapping, or maybe a kidnapping. Um, you know, the dude is basically hired by the Big Lebowski, uh, David Huddleston's character, to deliver this ransom uh there's uh you know they don't know if this girl his wife was actually kidnapped or not she may be uh, she may have kidnapped herself to try to make off with the money she owes money to this uh porn king um she stars in his films uh, there's also these nihilists out there that are <laughs> supposedly have kidnapped her and uh send a toe which actually is it's one of their uh, their girlfriend's toes, but they're trying to make off with this money. Uh, and the dude is in the middle of oh, and then the dude's car gets stolen with the money in it, and by this, uh, as it turns out, a high school kid, and they think that this high school kid has stolen the money, so now they're trying to figure out how they can get the money back from him.
1: So, oh, and uh, bowling,
0: and and yes, and there's bowling, and that all is. Uh, Uh, going on. And and again, like I said, in the end, it comes down to the fact that none of it really matters, um, except for the fact that the dude doesn't get his rug back. That's really the only thing that, when it comes around to the end, it's like, gosh, I wish that he had gotten a rug out of all of this at least.
1: You know, that's really funny, because it's like, this is a whole film of MacGuffins, right? I mean, every sequence, they introduce something that you you feel uh, the slight... Urge to pay attention to that ends up not mattering at all. Yeah. Right, that that's part of it. And it starts with the rug. You think that maybe the story is about the rug. It's about this deadbeat trying to get his rug back. But then he gets roped into this thing, and it turns out there's this rich guy who ends up not being rich at all. It ends up being this, you know, uh, mod's money. But it turns out, you know, do we really pay attention to her? You know, is it about the porn? Is it about her trying to conceive? Is it about, you know, what is it that we need to pay attention to? And and I think that's another reason that may cause for those of us like me that may cause a little bit of of MacGuffin fatigue. Uh, in this film, there is a lot of busyness uh, going on with each sequence, and I think part of it makes it makes it fun in in that sort of a stream of consciousness fashion. And some that that doesn't work as well. The things that do work for me, uh, the bowling stuff for me is is wonderfully grounding, you know. And the fact that we have this this trio, this sort of foundational trio between Jeff Bridges, John Goodman, and Steve Buscemi, uh, you know, the dude Sobchak and uh, and Donny. Uh, that ends up being a, a, a nice kind of a f- foundational gang, uh, and and so when you watch the arc of this gang and what these guys deal with together and how they treat one another, it makes it particularly touching when Donny finally has his heart attack in the in the parking lot, and you get to watch this about you know eight second sequence of um, Goodman saying you know you got to go call the call the police or call the ambulance you know I I I can't get in there. Um, you know, I, I don't quite understand it. He says, I'm pumping blood. You know, I don't really understand why he can't move. He thinks he's going to have a heart attack himself or w- whatever. But, but it ends up being a very touching sort of surprise transition that you do care about uh in the film you know for the that that it, it's an important thing it's an important milestone uh in the film that ends up being more important than all of the other garbage that they've been dealing with over the last two hours do you know what i mean like it is the first sort of human moment uh, that we get out of these out of these guys and then they have to deal with the death of donnie and that ended up being an important sequence for me
0: yeah it's and it's very touching and uh likewise it, well it, all of it also helps highlight the relationship um between the key relationship in the film uh between the dude and walter um very much kind of right. the two central figures of the story and that moment when donny dies uh becomes this uh, this tragic moment in the trio um but also i think that extends nicely over to the next scene when they're uh, or I guess it's a couple scenes later, but when they're scattering um, Donnie's ashes at the sea and. Uh, Walter <laughs> kind of takes this eulogy and and kind of
1: he explored the beaches of Southern California uh, uh, from uh, Redondo uh, to uh, Calabasos.
0: Uh, but he kind of takes it and and uh, turns it into his own like Vietnam yeah. thing. And it's but then there's this animosity between um, Walter and the dude, but it's it's like a married couple sort of animosity, and and there's something about them perpetually through the film that i think highlights this uh this uh, beautiful relationship that they have that is very very human and it's very realistic in the sense that people don't necessarily always get along but they it doesn't mean they can't be friends it doesn't mean they can't still love each other and all that and and yeah. i think that uh, despite uh like i find it so powerful uh still when walter uh, dumps the ashes screws up because the wind is blowing and the ashes of donnie blow back and <laughs> kind
1: of yeah.
0: cover the dude it's horrible and then uh, the dude is just so pissed at his friend and you know just berating him and and i can't remember what he says but um and walter th- th- at that moment you see walter um in his most human state as he's as he's sad as he's embarrassed by what he did and he's he's you know upset at what he did and all this and he's he's sorry and then he just he he hugs the dude and it's like there's this very human moment there of that loss and and despite all of the pain that or all of the arguing and all that sort of stuff they actually can have this moment here where it's like acknowledging that they lost their friend
1: yeah yeah i i really agree and i i i think and that's the sense i get and tell me like don't you agree like that is the that is the the sort of seminal grounding moment in this film that is otherwise a crazy ride
0: oh yeah absolutely either that or hanging out at jackie treehorns one or the other
1: (laughs) (laughs) you're gonna bring it you gotta bring it back to the crazy uh (laughs) drugging the montage (laughs) Oh uh, yes, yes the it, dream sequences. I I I think that's that's anyway that's why I wanted to start with that connection from the beginning where we meet this foundational trio to the end where we lose Donnie and we get to see who these people really are in spite of this crazy adventure that they go on that that I otherwise have some challenges with I think um you know these two moments from beginning to end really connect the film and if I'm going to connect to anything in it that's going to be what it is. Yeah. So um then you have you know some of the some of the uh more serialized comic moments in in the film uh, are handled by um my favorite trio of uh, Peter Stormare, Flea and Torsten Voeg uh of the nihilists. Ah uh, yes, which is awesome. They're actually really <laughs> quite quite amusing. <laughs>
0: Yeah, they are uh, the best. The best part of the nihilists is is their actual final fight with them when they're just like, you know, because they want a million dollars and yeah. they're just like, well, we'll just give what us you what you have, have and, you. We'll and we'll call it even. We'll call it even.
1: And and you know they're they're huge threatening. I, I think it was threat number two or three when they went into the uh, they went into the dude's place. <laughs> Dropped a a ferret in the in the bathtub. Uh, That was a good. That was pretty good moment. That was pretty good moment. Pretty awesome. Uh, Anyhow, uh, I was surprised to see Flea in there. Uh, Do we do we know how he ended up in this film? I don't know.
0: I don't know how he ended up in this film, but I'm glad that he did because he's just there's something about his face that uh, just works really well as this nihilist.
1: (laughs) Truly does truly does. He's got a lot of uh a, a lot of credits uh, acting credits under his uh Yeah, he was in one of the Back
0: his, to the Futures.
1: Yeah, my own private right. Idaho and uh, yeah. so it's uh, less than 0. It's been a long time. Anyway, he's been around a long time doing the uh doing the acting thing. He's a multi-talented kind of guy.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh
1: anyhow, and uh Peter Stormare.
0: Yeah, who uh he um I guess this was kind of a character that he uh, was, uh, or the Cohen brothers kind of helped, came up with um, on Fargo, because they would talk to Stormare on set and everything, and he would sometimes, you know, just for fun, he would be speaking in a mock German accent, and so they kind of took that and created this character of Uli, and, uh, and 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 uh, made him and, and ended up kind of creating this whole trio of these nihilists. And the fact that they're musicians in, what is it, Autobahn? Yeah. Is that the band that they're yeah. In?
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, Even the album art was just fantastic. It just looked so, like such a, you know, I don't know. Something about the album art for the Autobahn record that he pulls out just looked
1: <laughs> looked perfect A-U-T-O their music is a sort of uh, techno pop <laughs> Nagelbet Nagelbet the album name yeah uh, anyhow
0: and Amy Mann pops up as the girlfriend who gets the toe cut off
1: yes looking not like Amy Mann
0: not at all
1: <laughs> no, that's
0: pretty funny
1: Yep. um all right, so we we like the nihilist. Those those are some highlights for me. The other, the only other, you know, real highlight that, uh, in terms of performance um, is, that that I've got it. There are you know, other good ones, like I said, but the one that just I I do find myself laughing out loud is uh, the late Philip Seymour Hoffman as Brant mm. um, when he the the sequence when. Um, Oh, uh, what was this? This was an homage. It was the what? What is the film when you put your put your lips together and blow? Uh, you know how to whistle, right? No, that's that
0: a, yeah. uh, the. It's well, it's uh, Bogey on. and Bacall.
1: Yeah, Bogey and Bacall. What's the film?
0: Is it uh, To Have and Have Not?
1: I think it is. I think it is. Yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, you know how to, you know how to whistle, don't you? Uh, anyway, that's what I that's what it, it appears at least to be an homage to that film where she says, you know, just blow on the blow on the uh, the, toenails, Matt, the yeah. toenail polish and the laugh that Hoffman gives uh, as that scene plays out when he gets increasingly uncomfortable uh, is is really one of my favorites. I actually for for a few days, I I took a screenshot of his smile and that's been my wallpaper on my computer. <laughs> As he's uncomfortably trying to dash this moment out. I also
0: mother. love the moment when he's—it's uh, like he's in mourning when when uh, uh, David Huddleston is talking about uh, just his loss and all that sort of stuff, and and uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman is in the back, just his his lips are so tight that. You know, his face is like pinched red um, as he's as he it's like he's seeming to be sad. But then when uh, Huddleston calls to him, he snaps out of it instantly. And so it's like it's such a great act that he's constantly putting on for this guy that uh, he he was he's great. He's he's just great in the role. And it was fun to see him in uh, pop up in one of them, one of their uh, the Coen Brothers films.
1: It was I was surprised. I did not remember he was in it. Actually, I hadn't made that connection. Yeah. Anyway, uh, your turn. What are, give me some well, favorites? Well, and I,
0: I I do love David Huddleston as uh, as the Big Lebowski. I think he's uh, you know he's just always uh, he's just one of those venerable old faces that uh, I think just works well in so many great movies and mm-hmm. and uh, you know he's great. The um, uh, Julianne Moore I think has a great uh, an interesting affectation as far as her voice that she's kind of concocted. As Maude Lebowski, uh, the Big Lebowski's daughter, um, there's something that just strikes me uh, about her character as being so Julianne Moore. Anyway, <laughs> that I don't think that Julianne Moore is is swinging from the ceiling naked, painting pictures or anything like that. But it feels like you know, the, it feels like she's you know not that far off of her own personality. I don't know if, how true that is, but that's just maybe my impression of Julianne Moore.
1: It's funny uh, her that that's a part that that I have trouble with uh, that just her role seems like, you know, in a film that's already out of nowhere, it's really out of nowhere. And, and I, I think it's because I have kind of a finicky relationship in my appreciation of Julianne Moore as an actress. Uh, there are some movies where I really, really like them and, and others like this one where I, I find it, I it, I can't help but, but watch it and think that it's like pretend it's, hmm. it's like a dress up kind of performance. It's, it's so affected for her uh, that I I find it hard to buy.
0: You would much rather watch her in the Lost
1: World, right? Jeez, well, <laughs> why do you do that? <laughs> Take it and make it just the worst. I know, I know. You know, just I I terrible. feel like you know in the trailer of of you know we've got her coming up in Mockingjay, right? And she's uh, I find the same thing. I watch the trailer. and I am like I I don't I don't know how I am supposed to be able to watch that. Mm-hmm. Um, but then like what did I what did I like her in? Really? What did I really like?
0: Uh, well, she's great in Boogie Nights.
1: Yeah. You know, ex- see, there you go. Right there. Even Children of Men. And I didn't like Children of Men at all. What? I know. I know. Well, I, you're that person. I, I'm the one. <laughs> uh, well,
0: I yeah. I, I think that she's generally great. I mean, there are times when I uh, I, I don't quite buy it. Um, Magnolia? Might. Yeah. Oh, I, I, thought, I loved her yeah. Magnolia. Yeah, I think she's good, and uh, you know um, Sam Elliott. We have to mention as the stranger, who I think is—it's uh, again, it doesn't feel like he's playing anything too different from himself. You know, he's the the narrator, the the old time cowboy guy, and. Uh, you know, he he said that he, he um, didn't really have any clue as to what he was doing there, and he told the Coens, he's like, you know, I'm happy to be here. I just can't figure out why I'm here or what I'm supposed to be yeah. doing. And they didn't have any answer for him either because they're just like, yeah oh, you're just the you're just <laughs> that guy who comes in. And there's a
1: there's a wonderful, it's a very quote. funny. I think it's Ethan Cohen who says uh, the one of the reasons they really love working with him uh, is because. When because he has such a big mustache that they can push the audio track around underneath him because you can't see where his where his mouth is lining up with the words right and so you can edit the audio underneath him and nobody's the wiser that he's not really saying what he looks like he's <laughs> saying you can't tell that's funny I thought that was pretty good
0: he's got he does have the perfect look for it
1: he does he's, have the perfect look for it a uh, puzzling puzzling. Uh, placement in this film, I but you know if you're gonna, I, I guess if you're gonna go over the kind of over the rails, um, y- you got to have it. And of course, he does get the um, he he is the vessel for one of the quintessential quotable lines in the movie uh, as as the dude is walking away mm-hmm. at the very end. Yeah, well, you know, the dude abides.
0: Yep, the, dude the- abides. He's um his part. When they wrote it, they were really trying to find a way. Again, going back to the Chandler-esque uh, vibe of the story, they were trying to find a way to kind of create that narrator. Because uh, so often in the stories, uh, the the protagonist would be like you know talking to you, It would be very almost first person, and they didn't want to do that, but they wanted to have almost kind of a way to tap into that narrator um, and have that as a Uh, An element of the story and so that's how they came up with this character who again yeah he doesn't fit into the story so much like like you said but I don't know there's something very pleasing about him uh, being a part of it for me.
1: What's what's I guess if there's something that yeah you're right there's this sort of emotional kind of warmth that you get after out of just having him be yeah a part exactly
0: of it. and having him kind of, it's like to me it's like this outsider stepping into another world and and mm-hmm. having to try to make some sense of it uh, and you know he's he's it's the world of the dude and so. That's the person who's who he's connecting with, and despite the fact that he doesn't like that the the dude um, swears so much and is such a kind of a lazy bum, it's like he um, he gets uh, it, that's his vessel for tapping into this this crazy world, and and so uh, it's it's an interesting perspective that they give to us of of it's almost like he's telling us this story, but he's not. He's there. Almost helping us uh, acknowledge that this story doesn't really make that much sense and uh, and how even he only enjoyed parts of it anyway you know <laughs> yeah like, well and
1: that's the absurdest twist right is that we the the film starts we don't see him he's just the the omniscient voiceover right mm-hmm. uh, and and we get him as the narrator, but when we see his face that's akin to breaking the fourth wall of the film that is that is our connection to the story, right? It, it it brings us even further to let us know that you know what you've been in the story all along because I'm in the story, yeah. Uh, and and I think that's that's a a really interesting sort of uh, visual trick uh, by just showing us his face. Uh, it, we get a new relationship with the with the with the drama.
0: Yeah, I feel like other people have done that, but I can't think of any good examples of where you have a narrator that you hear and then at some point all of a sudden the narrator's a part of the story.
1: Yeah, I think so. Well it's funny that you that we say that because into the woods it's, it's, is, a, is Right. Know. That's
0: I, I was just thinking about that. Wait a minute, into the yeah.
1: woods. You want to talk about John Totoro just briefly?
0: Yeah, I was gonna say John Totoro I think is uh his part is very small, but with it he does a lot and there's a lot going on in this in this really strange character that is somebody that is uh, that you end up liking uh, in as far as his character, even though it's it, you know as you learn more about him, he really is a despicable person. Yeah. You know this uh, this pederast who exposed himself to an eight year old. Just the shot of him as he's like having to go you know door to door and tell people in the neighborhood <laughs> what he did that shot when that guy opens the door i mean that's just great i love that um but all the stuff he does with the bowling and his outfit and his hair and the way he licks the ball and his dance everything i think is is so much fun to watch he is a uh one of those shining uh bit characters that you just can't forget i mean it's, it's it's so fun to watch and and the way that he shines his ball in that <laughs> oddly almost sexual <laughs> way i mean it's, <laughs>
1: He is. And, it, you know, seeing this film, I mean, it, it just makes me—obviously, uh, you know, I already love Barton Fink and, and thought his role was terrifically understated and, and wonderful in that film. Uh, but it makes me really look forward to where we go next week. I, I think his uh, his performance in this is is great because they set him up as—this is another MacGuffin, right? Because they set him up as the nemesis early on, and yet <laughs> he's—like, he, nobody really cares, at the end, like he this—he's this evil character. He who's only—he's only the nemesis in his own mind. Yeah, exactly. And I, I find that just hysterical. Like uh, that is a wonderful little little setup for for Turturro's character, and it's it's really nice to see him uh, in here.
0: Yeah, he's 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 great in here. It's nice to have
1: him. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't. Just how versatile is this guy to, uh, you know, to pull off this role, to go from a, a role like this where he's playing a, a, pet, a Hispanic pederast to going to, oh brother, where art thou? To going to, I mean, he's just an amazingly versatile character actor to Transformers for crying out loud.
0: Yeah, I know. he yeah. He's all over the place yeah. and uh, he's just one of those people that uh, he, he's always been able to jump around quite a bit and uh, he does a lot and uh he, Cars. what is this? Is this how many um This was his is his second Cohen Brothers film?
1: Oh, uh, right? After yeah. uh Yeah. I think so.
0: After Barton Fink. Yeah. And then uh and then um uh Oh Brother Where Art Thou I think is the last one, right? No, oh, no, Miller's Crossing. Miller's, He's in Crossing. Miller's Crossing. That was his first one. So yeah, Miller's Crossing, Barton Fink, Big Lebowski, or Brother though. I think that's it. Yeah. He and uh, John Goodman both uh are kind of, you know those are uh definite Cohen brothers faces that they like to bring back time and time again. And that's something else. Um this it's interesting cuz the coen brothers are so good at casting faces in their films uh, we talked about that back in the no country for old men uh just all the different bit characters that they have and this is an interesting one because a lot of the films where they have these great faces are actually um outside of the la area so they're they're capturing like great faces for you know texas or these areas and and here you've got this kind of crowd of people that they're casting for L.A., and even though it was made in 98, it takes place in, what, 91? So it's kind mm-hmm. of a slight slight uh, period film. Mm-hmm. But they still manage to um, cast interesting faces for the world that they're creating. And, uh, you know, I love seeing, like, the uh, John Turturro's bowling buddy that he's always with, or the uh, landlord uh, for the dude who pops in and then mm-hmm. has that strange dance number later in the film and uh, or or the thugs or anyone, I mean you get these great people. Uh, like the the rug peeing chinaman who, who comes in right they, they all still work really well and when you have a film that deals with kind of some broad characters and you uh, have them doing all these crazy things it really helps when you have uh, faces that are very easy to identify so Did that you, you say can John Polito? You i didn't say john Polito. yeah the, the just, great pi I,
1: yeah he's so great he's in this in such a short uh, for such sort short uh, stint, but driving the VW bug, right? Uh, <laughs> back to blood simple. It's a, it's a, uh, a, it's a wonderful little bit.
0: It is. It is very fun. Uh, they're all, they're all, they all do a great job in this
1: film. The, um, you know, speaking of it being a period film, mm-hmm. I, you know, I hadn't put it all together. I admit on my own, but the clue of the date on the check that he writes yeah. in the milk. Right. Did you catch that for sixty nine cents? For sixty nine cents, no, I that didn't. it was what? it was nine eleven ninety one, exactly oh, ten years before, uh, you know nine eleven the the nine eleven wow. uh, in the United States, and what was on television at the time was George Bush the senior, uh, talking about how this will not stand and we're going after Saddam and and it right. was all I mean it was weirdly prescient, yeah. Uh, that 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 opening sequence of this film was was so uh you know 911 focused Ugh. wow interesting yeah, creepy well
0: and that i think is an interesting lead into just kind of the place that this film now kind of has has made for itself in uh in its uh post theatrical release as far as Now there's this huge cult following. You've got the Lebowski Fest happening every year, starting up in 2002. It started in in Louisville, Kentucky with like 150 fans, and it's been growing every year and uh, to the point where I think in the last couple of years, uh, Jeff Bridges and Julianne Moore attended. I mean, just all these different people actually go to this huge thing that's... I mean, it's a big event now, and they bowl, and and they have costume contests, and and it's not like a costume contest where um, you're just dressing up like the dude or uh or uh, Jack Treehorn, or whoever it is you, you know you're dressing up uh, like a carton of uh, cream for a white Russian or you're dressing up like like um like bunny's toe <laughs> it's like. <laughs> people are 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 really trying to find things that haven't been done before and so they end up just coming up with the most outlandish costumes and it's really funny if you look at some of the costumes somebody actually made a documentary um gosh a few a few years back what is it called it's a documentary about um, the cult of the Lebowski Fest. I think it's called the Achievers because they uh, they call themselves the, uh, the Achievers. <laughs> that's, and that's, pretty, that's good. And that's just this. I mean, then they also have Dudism, which is this online religion that was created that spreads the philosophy and lifestyle of the dude that was founded. And it's also known as the Church of the Latter-day Dude. <laughs> they have, they have ordained over two hundred twenty thousand Dudist priests all over the world through the website. Wow! So that's very weird. But then beyond that, then you have people online just analyzing this film to death. I, I found this website that talks about uh, scholars and the Big Lebowski and how all these people are deconstructing it and they mention in this that there there's this book called This Year's Work in Lebowski Studies, a 2009 collection um, that has 21 essays inspired by the film. Um, it's like, okay, that's crazy that just in 2009, there were 21 essays uh, just in that year alone. And so it's, you know, you think about the different... Uh, takes that people are having as far as political messages and that's exactly like what you just said it's like and obviously that was completely not intentional uh, there's no way they could have ever known that by picking that date something would happen. But it's but it's interesting that somebody can now analyze that and look at that and look at uh, the the politics of the people involved and and the humor involved and the uh, the situation of the world uh, with George Bush and Kuwait and all this going on at the time and bowling and and the psychological analysis of the Zen uh, way of the dude and it's it's become this very strange. Um, uh, kind of cult following that I, I don't think anybody clearly expected, but uh, it's I don't know. I find it really fascinating.
1: Um, I agree with you, and to in to support my uh, uh my agreement, <laughs> uh, I vow to uphold the principles of dudeism, to just take it easy, to be dude to everyone I meet. And to keep my mind limber. I affirm that my upon this click ordination as a (laughs) dudist priest is for me and not for someone else or my dog or whatever. That's right. I'm doing it right now. I'm getting ordained. Wow. Right here on this is a live dudist ordination. (laughs) We're not, Fantastic. We're not allowed to ordain our friends without their knowledge. Not only is that against the league bylaws, but we get spam complaints from people who didn't want to receive an ordination. <laughs> I'm doing it. I just clicked it. I I think it's it's fascinating. Uh, you know, it's a fascinating sort of cultural symbol too, right? That oh, I got a certificate. I'm certified now.
0: Wow! Kudos.
1: I've been ordained by the <laughs> Let's so Let's uh, Let's toast
0: it. our White Russians to it. <laughs> That's right.
1: <laughs> I could print it right now. I'm doing it. I'm going to print it on parchment. That is uh, so funny. And you can buy a gold sealed version of it at the Buddhism <laughs> store. It's a, it's an interesting sign, isn't it, of what we uh, what we sort of culturally need uh, in in the world that that this is something that, that takes off. It's the same. You get the same sort of discussion around Jediism yeah you know and 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 what we ascribe meaning to uh meaning to enough that it becomes a quote unquote faith uh and, and i think it's fascinating it's um you know i it it's it's still a movie
0: it is when and when you look at the movie the movie is the movie but but it clearly has uh Taken a step beyond that to create uh, a you know a way of life a mentality which yeah. is interesting but yeah yeah but in yeah, the end true. it is just a movie
1: it's still just a movie it's a good one and I, I love it. it I love it you love it uh well okay do you have anything else you want to uh, talk about in particular before we jump into the final uh, minutiae?
0: yeah a few things um. Yeah. We should mention that...
1: Oh, can we talk about Deacons? Are you going to do that first? That's, we that's we?
0: who I was going to mention, Roger oh. Deacons. Right. Yeah. Uh, one of his many collaborations with the Coen brothers. Uh, he has done most of their films since he uh, kind of took over for Sonnenfeld. And um, there's, I mean, they wanted a very just kind of realistic look to this. And I think it works really well all through the film. Um, but then obviously it has its moments where it kind of steps into the little more fantastical, particularly around the uh, the dream sequences. And I think he does a great job of playing with the light. Uh, one of my favorite moments in the film is toward the end as um, the dude and Walter are racing to Pasadena to confront uh, the Big Lebowski about the fact that this whole, you know, the the... The briefcase full of money, there really was no money in it, and all this and and as they're driving you've got the lights passing by and and dropping them into darkness and as as the dude is explaining what he thinks actually happened and it drops into darkness, it fades up on a moment of uh of the big lebowski putting uh you know. Telephone books in the briefcase, or whatever it is, and then that drops to black, and then it comes back up with them in the car and all that. And I loved the way they played with light in there to to kind of jump us into those flashbacks and kind of use that as a transition.
1: I I absolutely agree. I thought it was it was really nice visually. But the one that that really strikes me—well, there are two several different uses of this—is the bowling ball camera. Um, oh yeah. You know, I and I know this is one that's that's talked about, but I think it's a really fascinating uh kind of that bowling ball eye view. And we get that a lot, you know, we get that um and, and it carries through to some some other visual kind of caricatures in the film. So you know, we're either in the bowling ball as we're rolling sort of head over feet down the bowling alley and into the pins, uh, or we're we're sliding uh from the dude's view or just parallel to the dude kind of in you know he is the bowling ball we get that right. and then and then suddenly that that uh you know in those dream sequences when we get him uh you know now he's sliding down the alley between the the legs of the I don't know <laughs> Trojan cheerleaders I guess um
0: and what do they I, call them? I can't remember what they call those ladies, but
1: <laughs> they, yeah, they, I'm sure they have have a name I missed. Uh, but in, in any case, like I really love the way they give us that perspective of bowling, and it's uh, again, it's one of those things that's so fascinating that bowling has become the foundation of the of the visual style of the film. <laughs> it's right. such an interesting way to to sort of plant your your uh, your sort of visual seed so to speak so this is going to be a film that we're going to just really capitalize on the bowling and the bowling ball (laughs) and everything around it's going to be bowling and it's going to be great
0: yeah it is Uh, and uh, again it's nice to see that even though they've changed from sonnenfeld to uh, deacons they have uh, they've continued their love for moving cameras which i think is an important element always of cohen's films
1: yeah, yeah, I agree, and you know, I think it's that it's that um, you know he really capitalized on this idea that there isn't. I, I mean, just even in the examples we've just talked about, there isn't an example of a single sort of theme, visual theme of the film or style of the film. Like he's all over the place. Well,
0: um, I think for the most part, it's fairly normal though. Like I don't he, think I, I don't think it goes too crazy. Except for the dream sequences,
1: well, and that's what I mean. Like the dream sequences or the bowling sequences, which don't happen in the dreams. Or uh, then we get into the m- much more sort of film noir. Anytime we're in his apartment, we get the m- many more of the sort of low angles. Or, or when we go to the, uh, you know, when we go to see um, uh, the Big Lebowski, you know, it just sort of it, you just kind of get a different feel of the sure. space by use of light and camera. And I think that's a I I I you know, that's one of the things I really like. Yeah, absolutely. A
0: variety. Absolutely. Okay. Um, I also love the music, not just Carter Burwell's music, and again, he's their go to uh, go to guy for music, but all of the songs. It, it, this is one of the just the most crazy eclectic mixes of songs, and I have such a great time listening to it. I mean, some of it I have a hard time listening to on its own, but in context of the film, I think every track works perfectly and this is where they first started working with T-Bone Burnett um, who they ended up he becomes a very big part of uh, Oh Brother Where Art Thou and some of their uh, later films Um, this is where they first worked with him and he ended up helping them find some real uh, interesting gems that you don't hear too often and that's what I love is you know you're not hearing the standard Bob Dylan track that Everybody always uses uh, you, plays in their film. You're you're getting this more interesting Bob Dylan track that isn't one that normally jumps out, but it works perfectly in context of the film. And uh, so T Bone Burnett, who he was the music archivist, is the title they gave him on this. Um, great place to start here, and uh, you know he'll be uh, in our conversations soon.
1: I love the bit the the cab near the end. <laughs> They're listening to hotel california that's so funny he says i hate the eagles man and he kicks him out of the cab (laughs) that's that's a little little musical reward that's hilarious that is a great (laughs) moment Hilarious. (laughs) and
0: that's actually uh because there's a uh what is the song that they uh it's over the end credits i can't remember what it is right now but they wanted the rights for that song and they couldn't get it and the um Oh, here it is. Uh, uh, Klein, uh, the um, uh, is the cover of the Rolling Stones' "Dead Flowers," um, and uh, Town Van Zant covers it. And uh, the former Stones manager Alan Klein owned the rights to it, and he wanted this ridiculous amount of money. And uh, uh, T Bone Burnett had him watch the film, and uh, Klein said when it got to the part where uh, the dude said he hates the Eagles client said all right that's perfect you can have the song here it is," and he gave it to them for free so that's great <laughs> that's great yeah, yeah i love that that's really good so all so right. yeah the music's great uh production design is great i i think i mean costume design is is great a lot of the costumes for the dude actually were jeff bridge's own outfits which i think is pretty funny <laughs> that's my <'Cause>... robe <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah so uh yeah so that's uh i think that's most of that stuff um i think the only other thing i really wanted to uh i had some trivia for you oh do it okay how many times do we see the dude bowl
1: (laughs) i don't think we see him once
0: (laughs) that's right he never bowls in the movie how many times is the is the word dude used in the film
1: oh i have no idea that's not even cool. One hundred sixty-two times. I <laughs> many... me actually see. Hang on a second. I have the I have the script up here. I want to do a find and replace.
0: Let's
1: see. Uh, While
0: you're doing that, how many times is the F word or a variation of it used in the film?
1: Oh, well.
0: Would you say more than the dude or less than dude?
1: I would say less than
0: dude actually more 285 times well, that's and how many interesting. and how many times th- does the dude say man One hundred one hundred ninety-eight
1: 198 times <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty good now <sighs> just to give you an idea According to, like, the, the script, and this is not the final shooting script, but man shows up, and this also shows up in the, not just in the in the dialogue. So, obviously, we have all the...
0: You mean dude or man? Are you searching no, for... I, this
1: is man. It uh, shows up 218 times in the screenplay. Mm-hmm. Dude <laughs> shows up 841 times...
0: Wow. Well, that's also because that's, his his name is Dude.
1: Yeah, exactly. And so right. all the other text. So and then the uh, F word shows up two hundred and fifty times. Yeah. And that shows up. That is, I imagine they don't. I haven't read the entire script. I've been skipping around, but I imagine that is only the the dialogue.
0: Yeah. Right. I would imagine so too.
1: That's funny. funny. That's really funny, <laughs> dude. <laughs> uh it's yes. an ethos uh all right is that it? let's talk you want to talk about money
0: yeah this film i mean like i said it it didn't uh it didn't lose money it <laughs> uh, it cost 15 million to make they spent another 13 million in prints and advertising so so 28 million which in today's dollars is about 40 million dollars that they spent on this thing it ended up domestically grossing about 17.5 million and internationally almost 29 million so uh you know it's adjusted gross uh it, all told is about uh 66 million so it ended up making money but at the time it was considered uh, it was con- kind of considered a loser and it wasn't until i mean yeah it's it's in the area with scoop and the fisher king on our list of rankings so you know something that kind of came in right in the the middle ground like it made money but nobody's too excited about you know it didn't lose any money i guess so that's what makes people excited Mm -hmm. and you know this cult status has just kind of grown and grown and grown that has really helped it uh break out of the uh the zone of forgettable films and into something that is much bigger now so it'll just it'll just keep cranking out keep making money a little bit here and there
1: well i think we should rank it
0: all right let's do it
1: head over to flickchart.com slash the next reel and see if your favorite films match our favorite films and we'll see if if we can even line up on this one.
0: (laughs) i know it's gonna be a tricky one all right Uh the big lebowski or carrie Huh.
1: you know i uh i would probably watch Lebowski. lebowski first
0: all right the big lebowski or city of god City of God. Yeah, I would definitely watch Lebowski first, but I'll give you City of God because it's a pretty amazing film. The Big Lebowski or Twenty Eight Days Later? I would do later. The Big Lebowski for sure. <laughs> <laughs>
1: All right, line it up.
0: All right, you ready?
1: Uh huh. One, one, two, two, three, three. Rock. Well, now wait a minute. You huh. held off there. You were trying I, to hit me.
0: I wasn't.
1: I you even totally said it first. Were. Okay, let's do it again. Ready? One,
0: one two, two three, three rock scissors.
1: Dang, why would you do the same one again?
0: <laughs> because that was uh my little psychological game I was you, playing. That with you. is an
1: A number one dum dumb move. You win this one. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. The big Lebowski or the Prestige. I'd still do Lebowski.
1: Really, I would. We
0: really, we really like the prestige. We do, we do. I. It makes me laugh. I don't know. Maybe I give it more, more. When they do that creep. thing to the
1: bird with the cage, that's funny. <laughs> <laughs>
0: laugh riot! They should have right? put that on the uh, on the poster. It's a laugh riot. <laughs> it's a laugh a
1: minute. <laughs> uh, okay, you can have Lebowski on this
0: one. All right, Lebowski or an American Werewolf in London, Lebowski. All right, I'll go with Lebowski too. Lebowski or Das Boot?
1: Das Boot.
0: Yeah, it's a it's a beefy one, but I'll give you Das Boot. All right, look at that number forty-five. All right, number forty-five didn't climb quite as high as Raising Arizona did last week, but
1: as and rightfully so. <laughs>
0: well, yeah, rightfully so. Raising Arizona is definitely my uh, favorite uh, comedy of theirs. I, th- I probably would put Big Lebowski at second.
1: I I don't know that I could say that because where do we go next week? I know
0: next week we're going to be. Uh, I we're...
1: am a man.
0: Take it away, Pete. You were saying, <laughs> "Oh, brother, where art thou?" Of
1: constant sorrow.
0: Wow. You should. You I should be. T- uh... <laughs> <laughs> You should have been a soggy bottom boy, Pete. (laughs) I am right now, a little bit. Oh, wait, that came out wrong.
1: (laughs) Didn't need to know that, Uh, Pete. (laughs) I like this movie, but you know, this is one of those movies where all the pieces really line up. Uh,
0: It's a a great film. It's very funny. Um, Plus, I think they did something really inspired by taking uh, the Odyssey and turning it into this film. Yeah. I'm definitely looking forward to it. All definitely right. Looking forward to it.
1: So we're doing that next week, and, um, and that's the end. That's, that's the end the, of that's this. the end of our
0: brief talks. little Cohen comedy series. Yeah,
1: that's good. That's good. All right. I uh, gotta go, go to bed. All
0: right. I'm gonna go turn on songs of the whale.
1: Mine is a two-star. Okay. Uh, Pete Roche from Helena, Montana writes this review. And this is fairly recent, October 11th, 2014. I saw this movie advertised 14 years ago and read some favorable reviews more recently. Finally, seeing it for sale for $5, I bought it. I spent two hours watching this cruddy flick. It was two hours wasted. It's a movie about a worthless slacker, an unemployed druggie, Lebowski, alias The Dude, who is the prey of several groups of gangsters because of a case of mistaken identity. Big Lebowski's a phony tycoon married to a jailbait tramp. None of the characters are worth a damn, except for the mysterious stranger, played by Sam Elliott, who shows up now and then to make pithy comments. The story goes nowhere, and The Dude ends up not much worse for wear, but no better either, and at the end of two hours. Michelangelo Antonini did this sort of thing better in 1966 with Blow Up. Save your five bucks and save two hours of your life. Remember, your time is limited. Once it's wasted, you'll never get it back. Heavy. The dude abides.
0: Wow, does he actually end it with that?
1: No, 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 I did that. I was, was going to say, that it. It
0: seems, it seems like odd throwing that in there. <laughs>
1: Uh, that was all me I thought that sort of turned it around I wanted to end uh, it on a happier note okay
0: well here's mine this is a one star oh uh, yeah were there uh, any
1: that weren't talking about the stupid DVD
0: yeah most of them are talking about the uh, the DVD or the issues that it has uh, this is by George A. Nighthawk George A. Nighthawk <laughs> in uh, Colorado one star really a cult movie this may be a cult favorite but I'm not in that cult Definitely weird, but not funny. I was hoping for a comedy.
1: (laughs) The dude abides. (laughs) The dude abides.
0: Okay, we're going to do a little game. I'm going to name a series from season four, and you try to guess how many movies from it were adaptations.
1: Didn't we just do this in season three?
0: We're going to do this one as a speed round. Here we go. Terry Gilliam.
1: The Adventures of Baron Munchausen. Jason Reitman. Labor Day. Comedy by the Brothers Cohen. Oh, brother. Stephen King. Ah! Oh, The Shining. uh, Cujo. The Dead Zone. App People, Misery. Stand By Me. What else did we cover? Oh, you got one more on Audible. Carpenter? Ah! Christine! Christine! <laughs> hey, you got it! We've covered lots of great movies that started as books, and most
0: of those are on audible. Books like The Exorcist, Requiem for a Dream, The Bishop's Wife, The Poseidon
1: Adventure, Syriana, Million Dollar Baby, LA Confidential, Double Indemnity, Detour, The Thin Man. So many great movies from so many great sources. Producing this podcast is a lot of fun, but takes a lot of time.